Wild Lives by Phonographic. Hey, and welcome to Wild Lives by Phonographic. I'm Rochelle. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're speaking to naturalist Jack Plant, who has the dream job of tracking the wild spirit bear or the Komodo bear. And this is one of the most elusive creatures on the planet. Why is this bear so rare? Well, that's because it's a black bear, which is actually white. No, it doesn't have vitiligo or some kind of skin issue. It's not an albino and it's not a polar bear. It's just a white black bear. Now, there's only a tiny population of these incredible creatures on Earth and they can all be found in the same place. And that's Canada's mind-blowingly beautiful Great Bear Rainforest, which is in British Columbia. Now, I'm no expert on such things, but I want you to meet someone who is, and that's Jack Plant. I had the pleasure of meeting Jack when I visited the Spirit Bear Lodge, where he works as a naturalist and tracker. Hey, Jack. Thanks for taking time out of your drudgy day job to chat to us today. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. Can you tell us what is so special about the Spirit Bear? Well, um, there's a list of things, really, that's uh, special about the Spirit Bear. The, the biggest thing is how rare they are. They say that there's one in ten black bears that are white and that is very isolated to the area that we operate in and that area is princess royal island and a few other little places small islands around there and the mainland and everything so the they say one in ten are born white but who really knows and no one really knows how many there are i think if you googled it you might get a number of 400 Mm. but if you spoke to someone like the Spirit Bear research team, they would say anywhere between 60 and 120. Oh. So, so it's a very, very low number. And I would be more inclined to believe that there would be more between 60 and 120 just because of being out there. Mm. And I think in my time of being there, I think I've probably only seen maybe about 10 different Spirit Bears. But yeah, when you think of it like that, you start to understand how rare these guys really are and and how special they are. I mean, it's just, it's so amazing to see a white animal that seems so out of place mm. in the green rainforest. You know, you're used to seeing the brown and black and, and the wolves, are you know, maybe some white wolves, but still kind of not as white as these spirit bears. So it's pretty special just to see that. Yeah, they're definitely not camouflaged, are they? No, exactly. Yeah. And, and again, um, you, you say that there's been... Uh, research that people might say that because of that they actually are better at fishing because of the the way the salmon would look up and see instead of a big dark shadow it would be a white one that kind wow. of con- there's no contrast to the sky this is stuff i've read myself and mm. i i actually don't believe that there's any behavioral difference or any i don't think they're better at fishing or anything but it's just kind of um it's the same with a great white shark you guys get over there is the mm. The, the colouring of the white underneath and the, the grey on top. They think that's because of camouflage, which may be true for them, but I don't believe I've seen some spirit bears that are pretty bad at fishing, so um, <laughs> I don't really know if that's true or not. Do you know anything about how they were first discovered? Or have they just always been in that area? Okay, so uh, the spirit bear, the, um, the scientific name would be Ursus Americanus Komodi, and so Komodi was, they were named after uh, a man called Francis Komodi. He was, he, he was a biologist and worked in a museum. And, and they, if you, again, if you Googled it, he would say discovered by Francis Komodi, who um, I believe was more interested in having the fur of one of these bears oh, in a museum really? rather than, you know, so it's kind of a bit, a bit of controversy with that. 
there's no doubt in my mind that before him, before he so-called discovered these bears, the First Nation people that were living there for hundreds of years before he was ever around lived among the among these bears, and they knew about these bears, and they were special and mm. and sacred to these people as well. So you've worked with the, as a naturalist at Spirit Bear for a while now. So you've seen, as you said, ten or so. Do you remember the very first time you saw one? Yeah, I do. I remember it very, very well. See, so before I worked at Spirit Bear Lodge, I I went there as a guest, and it was my I went there for my birthday, and because uh, I was living in BC before, I was just working um, on a ranch cutting wood and building fences and that kind of stuff. And my family, I was always obsessed with the West Coast and. Um, and the spirit bear, I, I watched all the documentaries and, and National Geographic articles that you could see on them. And my family um, surprised me one day for my birthday by taking me out to Spirit Bear Lodge, which That's I had awesome. heard of, but I ne- never thought I'd get over there, let alone be working there. And we had a two-day trip, and uh, I didn't really expect. I knew the, the chances of seeing it, and I knew also that they hadn't seen one yet that year. So my hopes weren't really there, and I and that didn't bother me. I was just we saw some grizzlies. It was amazing, and on our first day, and then our second day, same thing. Lots of grizzlies. I think some black bears and whales, and and we were actually on our way back to the lodge when for dinner, and the day was over. And one of the guests, a German guy, just all of a sudden started shouting to, at the top of his lungs, "White bear! White bear! White bear!" Oh. Yeah, the boat stopped, and and we were waiting there for a little bit. The guide who I'm good friends with now, he, he was looking out, he couldn't see it, no one could see it, and we are just, he's kind of like, are you sure you saw it? Cause, and he's <laughs> like, yes, definitely. And then finally, after maybe five, ten minutes, the white bear came out. I remember the creek as well, I, I go there all the time, and I tell people this this story, and the white bear, he came out, uh, she came out, and uh, showed herself throughout the tree line, and, and was wandering around, and, and that was my birthday as well, so it oh, was pretty special. Oh, happy birthday, mate. That's, yeah, exactly. That's so, awesome. a birthday member, and um, it's something else as well. That, that so that was the first spirit bear of the season. So, all the other boats that were, had actually gotten back to the lodge at that point were all contacted and told that there's this white bear out here. So they all came back out, and it's about an hour and a half travel on boat. And the spirit bear waited for them, and we watched them for maybe three or four hours. Got back to the lodge and all had dinner at nine o'clock, and oh, it party time. Good. Yeah, it was a pretty amazing day. How did the bear respond to all of that? Did she just go about her business? Uh, well, I mean, she, yeah, she stuck around and she didn't really seem to take too much notice of us. We all were, um, I remember the tide was really low that day, so we had to be at a great distance anyway. I'm sure they, I'm sure we would have been anyway, you know, to make sure that bear would stick around. We don't, we don't want to push them or anything. Mm. And I remember we did actually um, slowly, a few of us trickled on land and um, and we kind of, and she kind of disappeared and we tracked her for a little bit. I remember I had a white hair in my between my fingers, oh. just one single white hair that the guy gave me and I was, I, I grasped that white hair until we got home and I could put it somewhere safe <laughs> in a bag. Um, you gave me a white hair, and, you know, when we are in the bush. Oh, did I? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I know. Like, <laughs> I know. I come across them all the time now, but I know how special that can be mm. for, for people that are seeing the white bear and mm. for the first time and probably haven't ever dreamed that they would actually see one. So, mm. yeah, I often I often give people white hairs to take home. That's awesome. So, in the in the area that you go looking for them, there are also many grizzly bears around. 
um, which makes some great close yeah. encounters. Do you have any bears that you see regularly who you've got to know their behaviour or their personalities? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's lots and lots of bears that we see on a regular basis. And these bears get somewhat habituated, so they get kind of used to us. And you can always tell when it's a bear that's probably seen humans before. Mm-hmm. And they're usually ones that give... Um, kind of the best viewing and because they they don't they don't really mind us being around they know where where we sit and what we do and and yeah and i try my best not to name them um and if i do then i usually name them by a characteristic they have mm. why the reason i why try not to, because um if i if i'm with a bunch of guests and there's a bear that's walking up the river and i say here here comes dave yeah. it kind of <laughs> it kind of separates them from that natural element a little bit I think some people do like to hear that, oh, I know this bear is really cool, or I know this bear does lots of fishing and, and that. But the reason I would name them by their characteristics is so if I um, if there was something going on with a bear that I, was, I felt was uh, I, necessary to talk to someone about, just so another guide, if, they're, if they need to know, then I can say, oh, um, Brown Bum was acting up a little bit funny today. I could tell that he wasn't really liking our presence, and they'll, be, and they'll know exactly who that is. Mm. And other times it's just fun. I know me and you named a bear together, and we had a pretty special day. Panda. Um, panda bear, yeah. Yeah. And she had r- really dark eyes, and I know you've got some incredible pictures of her. Mm-hmm. And and that was a really, really special day. I remember that. It was we had quite a close, yeah, um, close viewing. She didn't mind at all, did she? So it was oh, really she cool. She loved it. Well, she didn't love it. We loved it. it. <laughs> she, yeah. she didn't care about yeah. us at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and I remember that actually. Um, I think on my second year, there was this one grizzly bear we called Big Mama. And she was, before even close to hibernation, I'm pretty sure her belly was dragging along the floor. <laughs> and, you know, some bears, they, they like to eat fresh salmon. Some don't eat dead ones. But this bear, would, she wouldn't mind how rotten it was. She'd, like, walk <laughs> up. She'd find, like, the nastiest salmon she could find and just, like, hock it all down. And, and that's why she was so big and healthy. And I'm pretty sure she she had a good... Uh, warm hibernation that that winter. <laughs> she sounds like my spirit animal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, right. But this area of, of the um the Great Bear Rainforest is so pristine. It's it's like CGI. Why is this area such an important wilderness? Well, I mean, where do you start? It's, it's it like you said. It looks like if you look at pictures, it just looks like a like someone painted it. Um, First of all, it's the biggest temperate rainforest in the world, and that's saying something. Uh, it's something to protect, and and it's had a history of people logging and and things like that, and it survived that so far. And and we, I think we we're still doing it too much, and there's still too much overfishing and things like that. But once you get there, I mean, and you know this, but it's just there's something really magical magic about the place. That when it rains and there's waterfalls that just pop out of everywhere and it's got some of the highest biodiversity of the in the world it's just life is always happening there if, if we're sitting around and there's no bears there's always something eagles mm. or herons or caterpillars anything like that it's just such an incredible incredible area and most people that come with me and, and i take out in the woods they're pretty happy just to sit by a river and and just enjoy the peace of of that natural area it's just such a wonderful place mm. and and not only that, I mean, people have really lived, it feels like an untouched area, but people have lived there for decades and, and centuries, and people have lived off that land, they've, they've harvested from that land, and that's, uh, it's still, it, there's still 
places like that, like in Klemtu, but it's slowly uh, and and it's slowly coming back to be like that and more of a protected mm. area, which is nice. The Spirit Bear Lodge is actually a First Nations community project, isn't it? So it's in an area that's of great yeah. significance. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'll tell you about the two nations that um, are in Klemtu, mm. and that would be the, uh, the Kittisu, mm-hmm. who were people of the islands, and the Keikes, which were people of the mainland. And they basically congregate, congregated into one, kind of like one nation. And that and they congregated into Klemtu. It's like a little village nestled in between two islands, Swindle Island, which is huge, and Cone Island, which is just a little island in a channel. It's a very kind of protected area. It's a perfect place to have a, to start a village and, and live. And um, so, yeah, and they, they lived a long time in this area and decided to resort to tourism to kind of, bring in more resources and, mm. and things like that so that where Spirit Bear Lodge came from. And it started uh, with Doug Nieslos, who, who, I, who trained me and, and passed down a lot of his knowledge to me and many other guides that have worked at the lodge. It started off as a tiny little kind of shack, and I think it could hold like three people, and Doug oh, was wow. the chef, the guy, the captain of the boat. He did everything, and, and now we're up to... Um, we're at a nice big lodge now. It can hold 25 people. And, and the idea, of course, is to employ locals. And not only that, is to give back. Like um, the lodge with its profits, built, uh, building a new basketball court. There's a greenhouse and and that kind of stuff. So it's really, really uh, cool and giving back to the community and that kind of stuff. And yeah, you can really see evidence of these Kittasu KK's people that have lived all over the place. It's not just planned to. They had settlements and villages everywhere mm. and you wouldn't really know it if you just kind of visited these places but once you're with these guys like Doug Nieslos and some and Fern and Brown who these guys that have just explored and are, are really trying to get back with their culture there's so much evidence of like life and things like planted crab apple trees and there's tools that you can be found just little rock tools oh. and petroglyphs and pictographs and which are paintings on the rock made from salmon eggs and oh so they use the salmon like eggs that. to paint that's right yeah so the salmon eggs and mixed with red okra and or, or it was believed that and the kids uh plan to they just got together and did a big experiment and they tried all kinds of different concoctions and and whatever and they they came up with that salmon eggs and red okra were the best mix and they they have this really cool um, pictograph now which you can see whenever you come from the south side of Clam 2 by boat, it's like a nice canoe with three animals in it that um, that relates to a story close by. So it's really cool. Little entry into the into Clam 2. You see this beautiful painting that the kids did. Yeah, that's really cool that they're making sure that the, the original heritage is being preserved and also explored fully while opening it up to visitors. It's an incredible place to visit. And one of the things that I also loved about it was not only the culture and the bears, obviously, was the cetaceans and the sea life. Um, I remember one morning right. you and I were out on a boat and we were surrounded by dulls porpoises. Can you tell us a bit about the marine life? Yeah, I mean, it's as you've seen, it's just some of the most remarkable marine life um, on the planet. And the dulls porpoise are one of my favorite. They're like mini killer whales, probably no more, not much more than a meter long. They're the fastest cetacean on the planet. And they really show that. I, I don't know if uh, were you there when we were trying to take some pictures. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Yeah. They're pretty hard to get unfocused, aren't they? You just, you just got guys. this splash. That was it. <laughs> yeah. 
exactly yeah it's just a splash and you'll be lucky to get a kind of sharp good photo of them they're so quick and they're so playful and 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 of course we had the humpback whales which um i mean once you get into the summer it um every day you see at least three or four mm -hmm. on a trip and um they're all feeding up there on the herring and actually last year we had such an incredible moment of um i i wouldn't i'd be totally guessing it to say how many humpbacks there were but i would say between 50 and 80 humpback whales in one no. congregated area oh it was incredible that would have been phenomenal um, it was and you, you know that little you call it sea smoke the breath of the humpback whale breath you see in the distance yeah. and that's the first thing you see i just saw that but like again and again and again and again and i was like there's no way that can be whales and as we got closer, sure enough, it was just then they were they were feeding on krill, and we put a hydrophone in the water, and it was like they're having a huge conversation down <laughs> in the water. And that would have been amazing. one of the most amazing. Things. And they were there for about three weeks straight, um, all in that same area. We took guests up there to see it. We we called it the whale party. It was incredible. So with all of those um, guys, they weren't they weren't mating or anything. They were just there to feed, right? So they didn't bring. That's right. There were there weren't any orcas or anything with them. It was just the humpies? Yeah, and um, actually one time I did see orcas just pass on through, and although, you know, the transient and residents, the transient orcas would prey on humpback whales and their mm. calves, but I, I, in a number of that, I think they were resident orcas anyway, I never really confirmed that, but even in that, that number of humpback whales, I don't think a family of orcas would um, be silly oh. enough to try and take on. <laughs> yeah. That'd be pretty amazing. So they did they pass did. through, but yeah, they didn't really seem to bother each other. And of course, on top of the orcas and humpbacks, there's the seals and sea lions, and if you're lucky, an elephant seal, which is just pretty um, incredible to see those massive creatures. And and even you might see a deer swimming from island to island. So oh, wow. That could be pretty cool. Actually, I remember yeah. you mentioned that um, the bears will swim across the channels too. Oh, yeah, for sure. The bears are incredible swimmers. Who even and, knew? And <laughs> Pardon me? Who even knew that? I had no idea that they could swim. Like, I knew that they could go across, like, like little short creeks and stuff. But when we were out on the yeah. boat, like, these were vast distances. Like, these were, like, they actually have to be able to properly swim to be able to go from one bank to the other. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, really. they're, they are incredible swimmers. And, and from a very young age as well, I've seen a mum with uh, two yearling cubs. They were very, very small, and they and they swam across a channel of at least three kilometers. They were letting mum know that she, they weren't happy for sure. Three but, kilometers. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, between two, I found them in the middle, so I can only guess that they came from one end to the other. Wow. Um, either way, so um, we thought they were just a couple of logs floating at first, but yeah, when we got closer, we saw that there were the bears, and they uh, they made it across the channel. It was incredible <laughs> to watch. Amazing. When actually is the best time to come and see them? Um, well, it just seems to differ every year. I guess if you wanted to be, if you wanted to be safe, you would go with a, a September is always a really busy time for bears, and August as well, mainly because of the salmon run. Mm -hmm. um, that's when they start going crazy. I, I guess it's because they're more predictable where they're going to be because the salmon are always in the same place, so the bears go to where the salmon are going to be. Mm. But in saying that, I, I think you came in the spring um, when we saw that bear that we named Panda. Was that June? Uh, July. I think. It was July. July, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, at that point, they were still feeding on sedge grass, I, I remember, because mm. uh, she was eating all that sedge. And yeah. um, so we st it still can make for, like, 
when the bears are eating salmon, it can be incredible viewing to see them doing all that. But when you get them in the spring eating sedge and they're, and they're just kind of sitting there like she was and occasionally she'd come down for a drink, it can you can have some really up-close and personal mm. viewing without bothering them. Mm. Um, so I guess, yeah, August, September is like really good for numbers and for really cool salmon eating and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But um, also the spring can bring some amazing stuff and... Not only that, it's the flowers and the birds and the snow-capped mountains and things like that can be really beautiful in the spring. Mm. In some areas, you can even see the mountain goats up high from the from the shore, can't you? That's right. Did you get to see any? I saw some white dots. I look. I'm I'm not saying they're goats, but I'm thinking that they were. I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, look, they were goats. Yeah. They have to have been goats for sure. That's right. The key is to stare at it for about half an hour, and if you see it move, then. You're pretty <laughs> slightly it's a goat, but you're right. It looks like a dot, and even through even through binoculars, uh, it still looks kind of like a dot. Like a dot. Yeah, you can. <laughs> so back to the spirit bear. What sort of things do you think they have to face right now? Like, are they are they a happy, stable species, or is there anything that we need to know about to make sure that they continue to prosper? I think it's just like any species. Um, in the Great Bear Rainforest and, of course, rainforests around the world is um, uh, the human interference there is, is such a big hit on on the species. And um, with logging, I mean, there's still a lot of logging in the Great Bear Rainforest. Overfishing is massive. Um, we're just, just heaving the salmon out of there. And not only that, the fish farming, it's very controversial mm. what it does to the seabed and it all affects it's a big circle of life the great red rainforest if the salmon aren't doing well the bears don't do well the eagles don't do well then the trees don't do well because they're not being fertilized as they should and mm. and so on and so forth so it's a big circle of life if, if if everything's if one thing's thriving like the salmon then everything thrives but i guess one thing specific to the spirit bear is the grizzly bears are starting to it seems like they're kind of moving in on their space oh really and yeah we've been watching it quite a bit um over the years a lot of places that uh, actually we, we saw it very clearly in one area a very small creek it was a black bear creek and we had some spirit bears visit there as well and all of a sudden one grizzly bear moved in and there wasn't one black bear there it was great and and wow. because they're so much bigger and more aggressive and they and they will prey on black bears and really? sometimes just kill them um, yeah, so so grizzly bears are a big threat to to the the smaller black bears and and white bears. So um, what we don't really want to see is the grizzly bears moving in on these islands and kind of like the gray squirrel, red squirrel situation where they mm. they um, they're just a dominant species there. So it doesn't look so bad right now, and I think everyone's keeping their eye on it out there. But but yeah, that's just a little bit on the radar. Such a fascinating animal and an incredible part of the world. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us today, Jack. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, like I said. And thank you guys for listening to us. Now, if you'd like to stay in touch with Jack's adventures, follow his Instagram account, which is jackjeplant. And, of course, for more wildlife news, travels and photography, visit Fornographic.com. Catch you next time. Wild Lives by Fornographic. Follow us on Omni.fm or search for Wild Lives by Fornographic on iTunes. Subscribe today and you'll never miss an episode.